You'll notice this uh, plastic hanging over the opening of our basket. It's not a new design we're trying out. We are literally getting a new baptistry. And so this week, the old one was taken out. Uh, this week, we receive our new fiberglass baptistry. And that will get put on the stage right behind here this week. And we'll see if we can get it in by next Sunday. If not, we're going to have some type of background behind me next week. Uh, but I just want you to know we're in the process of getting a new baptistry. That means this wall is going to look different. The baptistry. The baptistry hole is going to look different, and we're hoping and praying we're going to see a lot of people be baptized in this new baptistry. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. Okay. All right. All right. Well, that's what happened this week. But do you know what happened on January 23rd, 1993? You know what happened on January 23rd, 1993? All right. Well, let's take a look. Let's go back to the news summary page of the New York Times. Here are a couple headlines. Clinton affirms stand on Iraq. For the second time in its two, days, uh, his two, its two days in office, the Clinton administration used force against Iraq, attacking an anti-aircraft missile site in the north. It vowed to continue a tough policy against Hussein. One of the headlines in the New York Times. Here's another one, just so we can see that things with the FBI aren't anything new in the 21st century. Here's, the, here's another headline of... Session says he won't resign. A day after the White House sent him an unmistakable signal of his of its disfavor, Williams uh, William S. Session said no, he had no intention of stepping down as director of the FBI, but his chances of staying on seemed to be dwindling. You remember those two stories? Remember those? Don't shake your head. Yes, you don't remember that. You don't remember January twenty third, nineteen. 93. All right, here's some, here's some things that actually happened on that day. Here's some things that happened on that day. The, the 50th Golden Globes was held, and The Scent of a Woman won Best Motion Picture, and Al Pacino was the best actor who played in that movie. The Indian Airlines B-737 crashes in India. It killed 30, 61 people. A U.S. female figure, uh, US female figure skating champion Chip was won by Nancy Kerrigan on that day in 1993. Those are some big events, right? Nin January 23rd, 1993. You know what else happened in on January 23rd, 1993? This happened. Take a look right here. This happened. On that day, Mosaic was launched. It was the first graphical web browser developed by the National Center for Supercomputing Applications, housed at the University of Illinois in Champaign. Do you know? Do you know? Do you remember when that story hit? Big headlines. No, you don't remember any of that. Do you know what news story on January 23rd, 1993 changed the world? The launch of Mosaic. Yet, were you on a web browser this week? Maybe? People at home on a web browser probably watching us right now. If you're listening on the phone line, it's coming through a web browser. Mosaic changed the trajectory of the world. But no one really cared about that on January 23rd, 1993. You know what didn't change the world? Al Pacino winning Best Actor. Nancy Kerrigan winning the skating championship. Those things didn't change the world. You see, often the most important stories are not the ones people are paying attention to at the time. Now, that should be instructive for us just in practical life, how much we pay attention to breaking news. 
There may be something happening in our day that will change the trajectory of the world that we aren't even paying attention to. But I do know that at Christmas, this principle is true. God is often doing things, writing a different story than the world is paying attention to. And it's the story that will make all the difference. We're going to find that true in our next section of the Christmas story. We're in week two of a sermon series we're calling A Different Story. Watching how God is often writing different stories than we would expect. So Luke chapter 2 is where we'll, where we'll descend. We'll move into Luke chapter 2. And there we will read the beginning of this story as recorded by Luke. This, the, the birth of Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verse 1, we read there. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Well, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for him. Now, if we just took that passage and we had to think in terms of breaking news, you know what the headline would be in this passage. Augustus Caesar decrees a worldwide census, at least for the Roman world. The word there for the Roman world literally is the inhabited world. We're going to assume that is for the Roman world. That would be the big news of the day. That the leader of the Roman world has called a census, which is going to require everyone to go to their original town to register. That's going to take massive logistics. It's going to take massive manpower. This is going to be a major endeavor. And you know why they're going to call the census? Because Augustus Caesar wants taxes. He wants to have a more accurate read on the empire so that taxes can be levied appropriately and those taxes can be sent to Rome. You know where a lot of those taxes will go? To the military complex. And why would an emperor want a military, uh, a military to uphold his power and to expand into new territories? This is a really big deal. This would be the thing on the front page of the newspaper. This is the thing flashing on the TV as breaking news. And they throw that thing up every hour, making sure you didn't forget it was breaking news. And then at night, they would have all the talking heads come together. And they would all debate this new decree of a worldwide census. And I just imagine, what would, this, what would, what would, what would be the content of the talking heads that night as they all debate this new decree from the emperor. I just imagine. Here's what we might see on that show. If there was 24-hour, seven-days-a-week news, 24-7 news, here's some topics I think they may be discussing. Is Caesar abusing his authority? How do you guard against census fraud? I don't know why you're laughing. I just made that one up. No pun intended. How do you enforce the decree? What if minorities and marginalized people don't have the means to return to their own towns to register? And what happens to people who have to miss work to travel? 
You can imagine some others, right? Do we need a stimulus package to ensure people can get to where they need to go? What if they lose all that money that, because they can't work? You can imagine all the debate that would happen on 24-7, the 24-7 news cycle. That's the big story. That's the thing happening. But we know because we know the way the story will play out. That's not the most important story. There's another story happening. God's writing something different into the world. It's the thing that will change everything. That's something we need to pay attention to at Christmas. Here's how I want to summarize what's happening in this moment. The world was paying attention to the big stories of the day, like a census. But the biggest story was happening in a manger in a small town unknown to most people. That's typically what God is doing. God is typically writing a story in the middle of nowhere where you can't see it, and it's the thing that actually will make all the difference. And we see it over and over again. This is a theme in the Scriptures. One of my jobs as a pastor is to help connect those dots, to find those themes, and to bring them out so that we can make connections for real life. Well, I find that same theme happening a thousand years before. So if we like hit rewind, and we go back a thousand years prior to that guy that Jesus has come into his line, David, we find the same thing. So if we go back to the story when David was anointed king over Israel, we see the same thing happening. Samuel, the prophet, is told by God to go and anoint a new king. God has left, he has left King Saul. No longer will King Saul and his descendants remain on the throne of Israel. God will choose a new king. And so he's going to pick someone from the line of Judah. And he tells Samuel, I want you to go. I want you to go to the house of a man named Jesse. And there he goes. We pick up in the story, 1 Samuel 16, right here. Here's what happens. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. This son of Jesse must have been quite the specimen. He must have looked good. Probably had brains. He looked the part. He looked like the big king he was supposed to be. And Samuel thought, well, this must be God's anointed. It just must be a matter now of logistics on how we make sure to to anoint this guy because he must be it. But when you move from verse 6 to verse 7, we see that God was obviously writing a different story. Here it is, 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. We might even say that the world, we normal humans look at the breaking news. We look at the things that are big, while God is looking at the things unseen, writing a different story, writing a different kind of news event. Well, here's what happens. We pick up verse 10, 1 Samuel 16, verse 10. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? Well, there is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, Send him, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. We go on. So he sent for him and had him brought in. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. 
So Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and from that day on the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. You and I would have been paying attention to something very different on that day. We would have been very much like Samuel. We would have been paying attention to the wrong story. I see the same thing. The same thing we see on the day of Jesus' birth. Same thing we see happening at the anointing of David. So if we had to summarize it, let's do it this way. We'd say it this way. Samuel was paying attention to the big story of choosing a big king. But the biggest story was happening in a far off field as God prepared an insignificant shepherd to be king. That's the way God works. We often miss the very thing God's doing. We think he wants, to, he wants all the action out there when God is often doing something over here. But we can't see it. Now if we push fast forward, we drive past the birth of Jesus, we show up into the ministry of Jesus, his public ministry, and we find a scene. A scene that looks very similar to his birth and looks very similar to the anointing that happened when Samuel chose David. We find this scene when he shows up into the city of Jericho. I want to pick up Luke. We'll go to Luke. We're going to pick up in Luke chapter, I can't even remember, so we need the slide. There it is. Forgot that one. It happens. Luke 18, verse 35 through 42, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked Jesus, I'm sorry, asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, uh, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped, ordered the man to be brought to him. And he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. Right after that story, we go on to another story in the life of Jesus. You know what the headline was in Jericho that morning? Jesus has arrived. This man who's causing such a stir in Judea, he's here. He's in town. And we know it's so important that there's a group leading him. There's a group of people leading him somewhere. I don't know. Is there a banquet to be held? Do they want him to heal the most important people in the city? I don't know. But I know that there was this man that no one really cared about screaming, trying to get the attention of this Jesus. And everyone thought he was a distraction. But Jesus said he was the thing. He was the thing that actually mattered. In the moment where everyone thought the big news was his arrival to Jericho, so much so a whole crowd is leading him. The thing that really matters, the thing recorded for centuries to this day that we are now reading in inspired scripture is a man that everyone was trying to shut up. The story, the big story, was Jesus comes to Jericho. The story God was writing was the healing of an insignificant blind man. So if we had to take the theme we saw with the birth of Jesus, the one we see at the anointing of David, and we see now with Jesus with a blind man, we had to summarize it. 
we see that same thing. Here's the summary. The people were paying attention to the big story of Jesus visiting the city, but the biggest story is Jesus healing an insignificant blind man on the side of the road. That's usually what God's up to. God is usually up to something we can't see. So if we take those three snapshots, the big one with the birth of Jesus, and then I see that same theme in the anointing of David and here in the healing of a blind man on the side of the road, I summarize all three of them. I take all of them and just crunch them into this summary. The Christmas story teaches us that is what is most important to God is often not what the world is paying attention to. Now I'm going to take that, and I'm going to just run that through my filter and make some application. Here's where I want to go. Here's some application. The big stories that are trying to grab our attention today, I'm just picking a few. COVID, racial tension, presidential elections, and those vaccines. You heard any of those stories this week? Yeah. Yeah, grabbing, they're trying to grab your attention. And they've done a really good job of grabbing our attention. They've used flashy graphics. They've used notifications on your phones. They've used headlines in newspapers. They've used news updates on the radio. All of it flooding the mind, grabbing our attention. But the key is that last sentence at the bottom of the slide. But none of these is the most important. None of them. You know what the most important thing going on in the world right now is? It's Luke 10.27. That's what's the most important thing in the world. Now, what would Luke 10.27 be? Well, I'm just grabbing the words of Jesus. It's that moment where he was asked, what's the most important command? I don't think you're going to do much better than this one. Luke 10.27 is where Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's the most important thing going on in the world today. So, so let me take that and reduce it to this summary and then try to get it to where we live. Here's the way I would say this. We're trained to pay attention to what the media says are big things. But this Christmas we need to pay attention to what God says is big. Loving Him and loving our neighbor. Do you know how easy it is to be caught up in the news cycle? I'm sure you do. You know there's something really important going on in Georgia right now? You know that state is the center of the world right now? Because in a matter of a month, Georgia will decide what the United States Senate looks like. And according to some, that means either America continues or America's gone. Depending on who controls the Senate. I've heard it said that if the Democrats get the Senate with a president who is also Democrat and a House controlled by the Democrats, you know what's going to happen? We will see. We will see both rapture, seven years of tribulation, and the return of Jesus. It's all coming. And it all hinges on Georgia. <laughs> Georgia's never been so important. I mean, they have the Braves, and that's important. Very important. You want to talk about conspiracy theories, there was something going on in the playoffs this year. I am sure, I am sure there was fraud somewhere there. No one's talking about that. I'm a Braves fan. I just wanted you to know that I think something was going on. In my mind, they won the World Series. I'll start hashtagging if I need to. All right. 
You get it. You see the point? You see how easy it is for you to connect with Georgia right now? Why in the world would anything I just said connect with you? Because the news has such a grab on our attention. Now, if you are not paying attention to national global news and you really don't care what CNN, Fox News, or anyone else says, but you're paying attention to what's trending on TikTok, same thing applies. Some of you might know what was trending on Instagram yesterday. You might know what was trending on, on Twitter. Now, I don't know. But some of you might. And that's the thing that grabs your attention. Some of you could care less what's trending on the big social platforms, but you, you know what all your friends were doing because you are so consumed with all the big things they're doing. Or maybe you're paying attention to all the things people like that you posted. Sometimes I struggle with that. Now, I want you to like my stuff, but sometimes i got to take that app off my phone because that can be really tempting to think that's the center of the world. Do you see the point? Things are always grabbing our attention. But God says the most important thing in your life is your spouse that you sleep with. Or, the, or your child that gets up early and takes your reading time. I'm having a moment. Would you just let me have that moment? That might have been this morning. It might be real fresh. I have to remember that the most important thing in my life was not reading a book. It was taking care of that child that gets up really early. The most important thing in your life is the people God put in front of you. You have a, Does anybody have a, had or have an annoying co-worker? Now, our new secretary, our new secretary is not allowed to raise her hand because I will be that co-worker. Lauren, you're not allowed. Not for here. No. But everyone else. Yeah, you had an annoying co-worker. Do you know that that is the most important thing going on in your world? That's the thing when you're at work that God is doing. That's the story he's writing is to transform you into the kind of person where you can love the person that annoys you. Do you know that that in the end is the thing you take eternal? You can't even vote in Georgia, so stop watching all that news. But you know what you can do? You can pray for it. So you pray for it. And let God work his work work what He's going to work. Let His will be done. But then you make sure to take care of the people right in front of you. You see how often we get caught up in all the things we can't control, but we miss the very thing in front of us? That's the thing God's writing. That's the story in your life He's writing. I'm using news here because it's so important in our day. But there are a lot of things that can grab our attention. You can make the application where it fits. So let's take a next step. I'm going to lean on the news on this next step because I do think it's something that can fit right where we are. Next step for this week. Pay attention less to the news and more to your neighbors. More to your neighbors. And your neighbor doesn't have to be the person literally living next to you. It is, it is in the Word, the one that is near you. If that is your sibling, then that is your neighbor. If that is your spouse, that is your neighbor. If that is your coworker at that part of the day, that is your neighbor. If that is the person in front of you that is driving 10 miles under the speed limit on 10th Street, for example, that is your neighbor. You love your neighbor. Don't get up on their rear end. Sometimes I come up with personal examples, I mean examples I think will connect with you. 
because I saw someone else do it. Okay? All right. All right. I told Mark later, I mean, after it happened that he shouldn't have done it. Um, but, you know, I'm glad he's in church. I'm glad he's in church, y'all. All right. You get the point. Take steps to love the people right next to you. So if you find yourself this week so consumed with the news that you forget that you're supposed to love the person right there in your house, that's the corrective. Never forget that no matter what is happening in the world, Christmas teaches us that the most important thing happening is what God is doing inside of you. Because from inside you, everything else flows. So if you want to have an impact on your world, it starts from what's happening inside of you. It is no doubt God is concerned with all of these global events and things happening locally. But if we make them the first thing, we miss the most important thing. So this week we let Christmas instruct us. And we pay attention to that different story God's way. Let me pray for this. Father, thank you that 2,000 years ago as the big headline written into the world was going out writing a different story in a manger. We thank you that through Jesus, God with us, now a different story can happen inside of us. We can become a people who love you with everything we are. And we can love our neighbor. The Holy Spirit, will you work inside of us to make that happen? Would you prune and cut away what needs to cut up what needs to be cut? And would you grow what needs to grow? We will need your help with that. We're going to Move us in that direction. And we thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for not being so concerned with the headlines of the world. The writing is a different story. And for that, 